All people are when you manifestations obey God's word of that was built by slaves. And I watch my daughters. There is nobody that respects women more than I do. This 2020 and 2021 have been some of the most challenging years of my life and the most beautiful. Somehow both of those things are true. A disclaimer here, the first few minutes of this podcast might sound a little negative or whiny or victim-y or something because I'm going to tell you about some of the pain that I've been going through personally. But it won't stay there. It actually moves to a place that I hope is a place of empowerment and responsibility. But to get there, I need to provide some context. I've experienced more loss in the last couple of years than I have in my entire life. It's hard to even know where to start in telling you about some of the difficulty of these last couple of years. You know, like they say, when it rains, it pours. And aside from the global pandemic and all of the social and political tensions of the last couple of years, there's just been a lot personally, professionally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, <laughs> the whole gamut. There's been some family stuff, some of which isn't entirely mine to share publicly, but that's been incredibly painful and difficult to walk through. And then the work stuff, my career, <laughs> at least what it feels like is that it's essentially burned to the ground. And there's some metrics to go along with that. I mean, two years ago, I put up a one retreat and it sold out in 10 minutes. And then I put up another one like a week later and it sold out again that same day very quickly uh, a week ago we put up one retreat and are currently struggling to get ticket sales into the double digits not so good uh, the podcast <laughs> has far fewer listeners than it used to have the liturgist patreon has lost more than 60% of its revenue at this point, I can't pay myself a full-time salary, yet alone to you know, be able to hire somebody else full-time to help me with any of this work. I do pay people for hire, for part-time stuff, uh, but even that is becoming more difficult. My music, I released a single today, um, and though I didn't have a marketing campaign around it, I did tweet it out this morning and uh, it blew up, got two likes, two likes. I feel like I got to get two likes. <laughs> I mean, who can't get two likes? You can get two bots to like something. Um, and then how about relationships? I've lost some of the dearest relationships in my life. Some of my very best friends in the world are no longer friends. And as much as that hurts, there's also been a like surreal quality to it. The way it all went down almost feels like a bad dream or something. It's been so weird. 
And before I take ownership and responsibility for my own life circumstances here, let me just tell you what it's felt like. I felt manipulated, betrayed, attacked, misunderstood, smeared, and smeared so effectively, subtly, and brilliantly that it not only affected almost every relationship that I had, but even made me question my own sanity at times. There were times where I literally wondered if there was some sort of video of me committing a crime in my sleep or something, like sleepwalking. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. It was literally something I thought at one point. I just couldn't make sense of the sudden and drastic shifts in attitude or behavior in people around me, people who I thought knew me and all of a sudden disappeared. It has taken some significant coaching, therapy, and discovering a book that a friend gave me when they saw what was going on called Smeared to even start to understand some of what's been going on. And yes, at the risk of sounding paranoid or stoking the smearer even more, who I'm sure is listening to this, hello, I do think some of this has been a result of a very sophisticated and brilliant smear campaign. But as good as it might temporarily feel, as it, as, you know, as convenient of a scapegoat as this smearer would be for me to just blame all of this, all this pain and havoc in my life on them. The truth is, and you know, this is the other result of all that goddamn therapy work. I can see that when it really comes down to it, there isn't anyone else to point the finger at here, but myself. I mean, even when you take into account all that the other person may have done, I'm the one who empowered that person to wreak havoc in my life. I'm the one who didn't establish healthy boundaries with a person who is admittedly not mentally stable. A person who I watched, I personally watched them lie and manipulate others for a long time. And I didn't call it out because I selfishly chose to be glad that they were on my team. I even articulated that to them. God, I'm glad you're on my team. You're terrifying. And I mean, come on. How selfish and irresponsible is that? And it's not just this person who's wreaked so much havoc in my life. They had some material to work with. (laughs) I've been selfish. I've not always been the best friend. I've not always been the best leader. I've made huge left turns in my life and beliefs and career, you know, from evangelical Christian to agnostic to atheist to uh, exploring Eastern traditions to non-dual mystic to, oh, let's explore Christianity again (laughs) with these giant turns uh, and not always gracefully, not always allowing the people in my life to have a buffer to be safe in those transitions. Some of these things have been my strengths, my courage and moving towards what I perceive to be true, 
But those things always have dark sides. You know, what I perceived as courage was sometimes experienced as recklessness. What I experienced as contemplative was sometimes experienced as aloof. What I thought was leaving space for people or being a team player really had this unconscious layer of fear underneath it. And it often just distanced me from the people who I was trying to be a team with. Because regardless of my intention, the impact was often that it felt like I was disengaging. And in a way I was. I thought I was being respectful and egalitarian, but really I was just hiding my truest convictions and my myself out of fear that I wouldn't be accepted, that I wouldn't be loved. And that doesn't go well when you hide your deepest heart, when you try to repress those things. Because what happens, as I've painfully come to discover, is it ends up coming out anyway, eventually. And it just comes out sideways. I mean, for a while there, I was a Christian musician who didn't believe in God anymore. And it wasn't a fast journey to get to that point. There were a lot of exits on that freeway. But I just kind of stayed around, keeping my thoughts to myself until I couldn't anymore. In a similar way, I was the owner, co-founder, and one of the hosts of a podcast that had gone in some directions that I didn't like. Talk about being disempowered if you don't even like your own podcast (laughs) anymore. Some of the fundamentalist uh, purity culture-like progressive political ideologies that had infested the liturgist community for for a while. Uh, You know, it's something that I put up with. It's something I could have spoken up about more. But rather than speaking consistently and clearly about some things that I think were extremely harmful and destructive, and silly. I would just kind of go along with what the team was doing, and I'd occasionally, you know, tweet something that had a little more zing on it than I consciously intended. And then some sort of storm would erupt. And I didn't, I thought for a while that was just something that would happen to me, but I can see now how it was a result of my own doing. And then my career would be really easy to sit here and feel like a victim of somebody else, of something else. But the truth is I can't point my finger anywhere else on this one either. I saw this home movie a while ago that really made me start to question my relationship with audiences in general. I was like 14 or something and I was in this talent show and I had practiced so hard to play guitar. I lived in central Wisconsin and no offense to central Wisconsin, but it's not like an arts capital of the world. So in the talent show, I spent, you know, my guitar solo really was pretty good. I was pretty good. Like I really spent a lot of time on this guitar solo and people like loved it. They stood and cheered and I'd worked hard for that cheering, right? I mean, why else was I there? Why else did I work so hard? But I saw in this video that I watched of this performance, right at the end, I finish, people go crazy. The look on my face, I was like, what was that? Because the look was like, it kind of was like, screw you guys. It was, it was there, there was, 
there was a noticeable disdain on my face. There's been something about you, the audience, that I love and need, and I've worked so hard to get your approval. And then when you give it to me, there's something about that whole exchange that has made me in the past feel ashamed of my own need for you. I think this is all unconscious. This is stuff that's been surfacing in therapy and all that. But ashamed of me needing your love. And there's something that... I, I began to unconsciously resent you. And again, I think some of that unconscious resentment and shame has come out sideways at different times of my career in ways that alienated people, in ways that burned bridges. And there's a terrible irony <laughs> here that in this audience and in this career of where I've looked for so much love and needed it, needed affirmation, I at the same time pushed people away. I tried so hard to call people in while at the same time pushing them away. That's insane. (laughs) So as much as I want to blame my floundering career on someone or something else, I can't. I really can't point my finger anywhere but here. So I've learned it's quite a feeling to be sitting in the rubble of your life, realizing that it was you who burnt it down. Sorry, realizing it was me. I I want to say that clearly. So let's add to the burning life around that potential onslaught of deep shame to the mix. And you've got yourself a nice, you know, 2021 existential cocktail. Okay. So maybe you can understand part of why I said at the beginning that the last two years have been some of the most painful, but maybe you don't understand why I would say that they were also the most beautiful. I mean, it doesn't probably sound very beautiful. This is why. I'm so fucking alive right now. I'm so alive. I can feel my toes right now, my pinky toes. And inside my pinky toes are blazing <laughs> the the goddess power and love of all the universe raging within these toes. I literally have sores on my body right now. You know, I have very few friends left. I have a dwindling bank account. I'm not even sure I have a career anymore. Would I change it? Hell no. No, this is all grace. And that may sound like some sort of bypass, spiritual bypass or something but I'm not speaking in any sort of abstract belief sort of way or some way that I feel like I should be feeling. I'm not talking about grace as some like idea. I'm telling you, as I look at the circumstances right now, I can see directly how it is fire burning away. Michael, burning away my sense of separateness, burning away all these tools that my ego has used to suffer in the past. 
so that only awareness, only God herself can remain here. And that's really all I want. I, I want nothing else but God. So I'm happy to sit here watching it all burn. And as I sit here in the bonfire next to you, you know, I thought I'd pull out my guitar, strum you a little tune, tune from the dying voice of my ego as the flames lick at my legs. I've often written music from my, you know, higher self, my the place where I see that there's nothing missing, that there's nothing wrong, there's nothing broken. I love writing from that place, place of wholeness. But sometimes maybe it's okay to pass the microphone to the other parts too, the parts of me that feel broken, the parts of me that feel ashamed for setting so much life on fire in the first place. And I think it's those parts of me, the demons in me, that want to feel better than other people. They want to prove that they're superior, beautiful and worthy by comparing themselves to others. Those parts are all still part of me. They're also part of reality, part of God, part of love. And so this little song I wanted to share with you around the campfire here is because maybe you have parts of you too that you might be embarrassed about. Maybe there are parts of you that you'd rather shove into the closet than hand the microphone to. And as somebody who often tells people on the internet that they're beautiful and perfect in this moment, I thought, you know, maybe it's worth going first here, loving my own shadows a little more publicly. Why would I do this? Do I think saying all of this is going to fix everything and get everybody to like me again? No, I do not. In fact, I have no doubt that some will use this as an opportunity to dance on my grave, if you will. But I'm going to go ahead and also make the assumption that there are some of you out there listening who also feel pretty alone right now. Some of you who might have some of your world on fire too. Maybe you've had relationships go south. Maybe you've failed at your job, your marriage, your faith. Whatever it is, I just want you to know you're not alone. You know, I've spent a lot of time and energy trying to tell people that, that they're not alone, that they're seen and loved exactly as they are. But at some point that becomes just words, you know? I mean, the truth is you may not feel seen. You might not feel loved right now. You might not feel like anybody accepts you as you are. And if that's you, I just want you to know I see you as my tribe. <laughs> and if any semblance of a public presence or career remains for me after this fire burns itself out, and if I ever get the chance to interact with you in any way, on a Zoom call or a retreat or a concert or however else, 
I just want you to know that I'm going to use anything and everything I have at my disposal to this end, to let you know that you're not alone, to see and love you as you are. Not to try to fix you, not to stand above you as your leader or teacher, but because I like loving you. And we all need each other. We all need love. So if you want me, I'll be here. If you don't, that's okay. I'll still be here, doing my best to see and love you. And I do that primarily by first seeing and loving who I am. Because as I see who I really am, I simultaneously see who you really are. As I love myself, it creates room for me to love you. As I don't judge myself, it leaves room for me to not judge you. And when I see that, when I get underneath the judgment and the stories and I can see who I really am and I can see who you really are, I can see that we're not separate. And suddenly I'm not interacting with a fan anymore or a friend or an enemy. But you and I are ultimately the same life that is the all. And that's why I'm happy to let what needs to burn, burn. If I have to lose every single fan so that I can have one true moment of life, one true interaction with just one of you, that's okay. And maybe that sounds grandiose or self-sacrificial or something. But it's not. The truth is that all of this stuff that is burning is just stuff. It's just numbers and stories. It's just chaff. It isn't real. It doesn't satisfy. There's this beautiful quote from The Course in Miracles that says, Nothing real can be threatened. There's a deep mystery and wisdom there. It's worth meditating on. And where that meditation leads is simply to this moment. Because what is there in this moment that could possibly be threatened? What could possibly be any different than it is? When we see that, and more than see it, not just see it as a thought, but when we feel it, we really feel it, we're free. To be free is to have nothing to lose, nothing to gain, simply to be, to be at home with this. And frankly, and more practically speaking, it's really the only way to make it through a season of life like this when the world is burning around you. One moment at a time, one sensation at a time. And the closer we are, the more yes we can find for this moment, just as it is, allows life to unfold in a way that we aren't fighting it. We aren't imprisoned by it. 
And it actually allows the beauty of life to be tasted and seen. So, I've let you see some of my wisdom in the past. And this podcast and this song that I'd like to share with you that was written out of some of this experience is an attempt to also let you see some of my foolishness so that you can know your foolishness is welcome here too. (laughs) I've let you see some of my light. Here's some of my dark. Because I'm not here to prove myself to you anymore. For a while I was. But I can't anymore. And I have no interest in presenting some version of myself to you that turns out to be just another thing that needs to burn. And I can see in this moment that whether I'm successful or or not, whether you like this song or not, really doesn't matter that much. There's nothing to be ashamed of here because there's nothing missing here. There's nothing broken here. Even the experience of missingness and brokenness, it's just part of what is. And as soon as I accept that, if I can love what's in this moment, including those shadow parts, then maybe I can love not just me a little more, but love you a little more effectively as well. Maybe I won't have to keep pushing you away when you stand a clap for me. If you ever do again. Maybe I won't have to resent your love, but could just accept it and drink it in as part of the divine river that is everything and everyone. I hope you enjoy the song. But more than that, I enjoyed making it for you. And maybe that's enough. I thought that I could collect your respect If I played my guitar fast and clean If I made the changes more sophisticated With notes just outside of the key I practiced my scales, I grew my hair long And I gave you the best show I could But I didn't believe that you would have if you understood Look what I can do Look what I can do I can't make you love me I can't 
too fast, then I try it out slow to see if you really love me. Was I a beggar, a clown in your court? I flip you off, then wait and see. I burned all my bridges, I broke my guitar, and the microphone fell off its stand. The crew was all gone, my friends were all gone, my family was locked in the van. 